Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is Zach. Are you ready for some football, Mabry? Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm ready for some football. Football is, like, starting right now as we're recording this. They're... The Chiefs and the Texans are about to take the field. Did you see? So they, the NFL's official Twitter tweeted today um, some players kneeling, and it was like, it's up to all of us to end racism. But then they were in the Chiefs' end zone, so it said Chiefs really big. And it was like a lot of people, not necessarily me, but a lot of people would describe that as racist, the, the whole Chiefs thing. And that oh. that video had to probably like clear multiple levels of except like multiple people had to probably sign off on that it's like right? this ain't it chiefs ah, um, hey. i saw something like that i uh i know there was like hubbub because colin kaepernick is back in madden nfl the video game for the first time in like four years and they basically made his overall rating like way higher than it should have been and everyone was like yep that'll yeah that's a good apology for basically blackballing this guy for four years it's all uh yeah none of their none of their stuff kind of it all rings hollow if anything zach or i say rings hollow feel free to email us podcast at romancircusblog.com once again got a lot of good stuff up on the blog you should check it out yes uh, tweet us at roman circus pod i'm at hey it's matt baker zach is at zach mabry z-a-c mabry we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash Roman Circus Pod. Find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. And that is about it. Zach, you went to a wedding this past weekend, and our guest for today also went to that wedding, and he wanted to talk about it, specifically being a Novus Ordo priest, subdeaconing a Latin mass. Yes. Um, and obviously we love to see it. So this was this is a cool roman circus exclusive of mm. right a diocesan priest who's up until this point um you know attended one uh t- traditional latin mass uh never like offered you know is learning it for the first time and was the subdeacon at a a wedding where was, there was a solemn nuptial mass and uh so we get to talk to him about his experience um and what it's like uh being a first timer when you've been a priest for a while too yeah, so uh, let's just go blast right into it, unless you have an important news item you want to talk about. Uh, no, there's nothing happening in world events. Oh, great, nothing happening. That's perfect. Well, All Kardashians, right. the Card- keeping of the Kardashians is ending, so. Yeah, but I know you don't, that's kind of a sore subject that you don't really want to talk about. Yeah, I, I'm just not ready. Yeah, it's going to be tough to keep up with them. But, uh... All right, well, let's get to uh, talking with Father Anthony here. Zach, every, like, six months I get a text that's just like, I want to come on your show and talk about this. And as you know, we're too lazy to actually put together episodes, so that's actually, like, the perfect scenario is when someone wants to come on and they have a predetermined topic. Though it usually means we're in trouble, um, but this time... (laughs) We're not in trouble. That so, I know of. back once again for his record-breaking fourth episode on the Roman Circus podcast. It is 
friend of the show, show favorite, Father Mario Sharapa. <laughs> It's a me. <laughs> it's a me. <laughs> Father uh, Anthony Sharapa. Yes. Back again. Um you said on Twitter that for real for realsies, if your parents didn't name you Anthony, they were going to name you Mario. Yeah, this is something my parents told me when I was younger. This is what you wanted to talk about, by the way. This is a little. Bit, you... <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth talking about. It's very important. Uh, who I could have been, the glory I could have had. Yeah. Um, how the brand in real life would have matched up way more had my parents uh, been brave enough. But the thing is, I live in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And there's a famous Mario in Pittsburgh, as you may know. Mario Lemia. Exactly. So my dad thought of me being raised in Pittsburgh and everyone calling me Mario, and Mario. he could not. He could not have that. So. Is that how they say Mario? Is they say Mario Lemieux in Pittsburgh? Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, and there's Mario Andretti, Mario Mario. Yeah, I guess. Well, what year were you born? That he was he how? What year was he in like his hockey career? I don't know. I mean, I was born in '89, so. Oh yeah, so he had to be. He was a few years in at that point. Okay, well, that's good. We got that out of the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, do you still like being a priest? Like, how's that going? Yeah, I do still like being a priest. Um, It'd be a lot easier to be a priest if there wasn't uh, a pandemic. That'd be nice. Uh Um, But other than that... A plandemic is what we call it. Pandemic. (laughs) Scamdemic. Scamdemic. That's right, too. Mm -hmm. I am am very much in the place where I, I don't care anymore. I'll just do what everyone else is doing. If everyone's wearing masks, I'll wear a mask. If no one's wearing masks, I don't care. So someone was like, they're like, masks don't do anything. I was like, masks allow me to fly on a plane unbothered by anybody. That's true. Like, masks allow me to go into stores. Like, it's not even, it's just like, set aside science for a minute, you know, which, (laughs) I I mean, not something I put a lot of, uh, not something catch me believing in. Um, (laughs) It's just a lot more convenient to just go with it, even if, like I'm pretty sure the masks help, but even if the science was out, like I I would just put it on to not get yelled at. Father, yeah, that's where I'm at too. Yeah, Father Anthony is embracing the true communist mindset of I'm just going to do whatever, whatever everyone else is doing. I'm just going to be a sheeple. I don't care. I've got to go to get groceries. I don't want to be bothered. I'm going to go on a plane. Whatever. I'll just do what everyone else is doing. I when I flew last weekend, I was really nervous that there would be somebody that wanted to take a stand. Mm-hmm. against the masks. Oh, my gosh, Even yeah. though you, you certify, like, four different times before you fly and check in that, like, you will wear a mask. Um, but I was like, please don't get this flight delayed <laughs> or canceled because you, like, yeah. have to assert your rights. Like, the rest of us have lives. <laughs> We've got places to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, sorry, I have friends. Um, I do like the face shields. I'm thinking about switching to those, but for planes, those still don't qualify. You're talking about uh, like welders' masks, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. We we use those for our outdoor masses. So um, uh, right now we have outdoor masses on Sunday uh, outside this old Sears. Interesting building. day to have mass, but continue. What's that? <laughs> Interesting day to have mass on a Sunday, but yeah, continue. yeah, yeah. We have it some other days, but anyway. So we use face shields for that for some reason. Um, and it's fine, I guess. Yeah, what does it feel like? Like, is it weird? Because you're looking through, like, a gla- uh, plastic partition the entire time. So. Yeah, it's definitely weird. I, I kind of prefer the mask. I've gotten to this point where it's like I feel uncomfortable not wearing a mask sometimes. Like, my face feels cold. 
Yeah. Like I need a warm embrace <laughs> over my face. It makes me. It's feel like comfortable. the first time you shave your beard, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's fun. It's everything's weird. Uh, everything's weird, and everything that weird that is weird has become kind of normal at the same time, which is also weird. So, yeah. So speaking of new weird things, ooh, you recently were involved in a solemn nuptial mass, mm-hmm. for which you served as the subdeacon. Yes. So and last then, last Saturday there was a wedding and uh, Zach was there and Father Anthony was there and um, that was two of the three so that's sixty six percent that's failing but okay continue <laughs> and it was uh it was neat it was three twi- Twitter priests Father yeah. Ambrose and then Father uh, Chase. Chase Goodman and yeah, then who, um, friend of the show right Father the show. Sharp, yeah. No, it's funny because we were just getting used to not calling him Deacon Chase, even though it, I don't know why it felt like he had been a deacon for like a lot longer than a year. Yeah. <laughs> once he was ordained, but then he served as the deacon, so he was took a pay, took a Chase. pay cut for some friends, but and you uh, got bumped all the way down to sub deacon. Yeah. So w- what had happened was uh, I was what asked to was... I I was uh, asked like months ago to to celebrate mass and to preach at this wedding, and I was like, cool, I can do both of those things. That's awesome. And then a few months later, uh, I find out from the other priest that this is going to be an extraordinary form mass, and I was like, oh no, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Right, like you always say, you've only said the the bogus ordo before, right? Exactly. <laughs> I have been a bogus ordo priest for like four years. Um, like l- literally, so I've I've never had anything against the extraordinary form, but to be honest, my only experience with it was that I went to one low mass like six years ago. I was like, oh, this is fine, and that was it. Now, uh, I feel like once you become a priest, you also don't go to a lot of masses. No, like, you don't. You you just offer mass because even priests i know when they travel they're like uh i fulfill my sunday obligation wherever i happen to be like i'm not (laughs) i'm not like going into a parish i'm like yeah i I don't blame you now i Um, do father anthony remember a few years ago on twitter when i when this podcast was just kind of starting you had mentioned something about wanting to learn about the extraordinary form which now i say that and i said it was a few years ago it is a lot tougher than just learning it because it takes time and there's like it's very involved so like uh my point is you this is something you had been interested in yeah so i like open to yeah i was definitely open to and i bought a bunch of stuff i even i have like two dvds in front of me about how to say the mess um i got this nice little book on explaining the extraordinary form and everything this is like when the rest of us decide to get in shape and we go buy like exercise clothes and (laughs) stuff that is exactly what happened (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I had all this stuff, but it turns out that like there was no, ha- there's no need right now in my parish to s- celebrate the extraordinary form. Nor, let's be honest, I could not if I wanted to celebrate it publicly, just for all the typical reasons. Sure. And right. I've got other stuff to do. So, well, yeah, you then, guys did consolidate like eighty parishes into two <laughs> parishes. So we did do that. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing that, and then you know, just to be perfectly honest. Okay, I've got some free time. Do I want to learn a new mass right now, or do I want to play video games? <laughs> oh no! Like so, oh, no. <laughs> just to be oh, perfectly no. honest. <laughs> so don't give anybody any ammo. <laughs> oh, oh, it's fine. I've got no, my know. secret Twitter, and if people want to be angry, that's good. They, that's that's what they want to do. That's fine. Yeah. Right. No, I can see how it would not imp- be. I mean, I've been wanting to learn to be a, an altar boy for a. 
like a long time and it, it's like one book to read and I still end up just going to man like I, I still haven't done it so I mean imagine having like the other role so but so when you were originally asked mm-hmm. you thought you were going to be like this is like you thought you were going to be the star and then you find out you're like like a supporting character he's not like, was, he's not Jordan he's not even Pippin he's like <laughs> he's depending on the years he's, he's Rodman yeah um, yeah exactly he's Lamar Odom to the Gasol and Kobe yeah, so uh, I started freaking out. And I was talking to the other uh, priests, and I was like, "I can't, I just can't do this. There's no way I'm going to learn how to do this in time, because uh, I've got other weddings to do. I've got my own brother's wedding. I've got things going on." And uh, they were like, "Oh, you can uh, maybe you'll just sit in choir and preach, or maybe you do this." But they were really pushing me to be the subdeacon, because there there can't be straw uh, subdeacons at this parish, so you have to be really? like a real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't allow it. Apparently, they, you need to be a real ordained person. Um, interesting uh, well we call them persons of ordination now but um, uh, my bad my bad we <laughs> won't we won't hold that against you yeah uh so i was so you ask- basically needed to learn it yeah and i was asking my other uh priest friends and my my buddy father harrison who does that other podcast with me he yes. was like oh yeah i learned it like the night before i did it one time and i was like oh okay sure so i figured i could do the same thing and it turns out you were that like, if he can do it, <laughs> we can all do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it was. But that was wrong. That was super wrong. Okay. It's, it was way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. Um, so it's like the a few days before the wedding, and I start looking at stuff, and I was like, oh no, I have to memorize these like prayers at the foot of the altar and stuff. I, it's it's very tough. Like, so I'm mildly familiar with Latin. I know a few hymns. I can pronounce it fairly well. Uh, but memorizing a language that you are not super familiar with is very difficult. Oh yeah. So panic was was setting in. Uh, but uh, it, they had assured me the other priest said there would be like uh, cheat cards there, and it ended up being better than I thought it was going to be because the uh, was it the people's choir? They're singing the entire time anyway, so they can't even hear what I'm saying. So it's totally fine. So okay, yeah, that was what like you have you have a lot of outs because you have a couple of things. I, yeah. You're not facing anyone, so if you make like that, oops, I goofed face, no one <laughs> sees it. Yeah. yeah. And then there's always like an MC who's been doing this since he was born that like more or less can lead everybody around, like pretty much can manage all three of the um, celebrants. Like the ones I've seen are, are pretty like aggressive at like basically just like placing the priests where they need to be. Yeah. But then also, yeah, like the choir is like the, the scola is singing the whole time and they're not like in sync with what you're doing. So like they're, uh, providing, you, know, you don't do like a call and response with them kind of thing. So right. yeah, like no one's necessarily, and just odds are most people there don't know what it's supposed to be like. So I feel like the, the pressures like seems high, but then when it actually gets into it, it's like maybe a little bit, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, and uh, the servers there, uh, all these uh, young guys, they did a great job. The the MC was very nice uh, and very helpful. And uh, so we went over really it. Really loud snaps. Really, I, I, the, yeah. I, What's your opinion? Because some people, some people like the loud snaps for like the kneeling and stuff. What's your opinion on the loud snaps? So I, I try not to have liturgical opinions. <laughs> okay, um, good, good, good. If... You know, if, if I if I was forced to to pick, I would maybe go with the the quieter snaps or the the sort of gentle clap. I don't know if you are familiar with the front clap that people do, of like like you kind of 
pat your top your hand top hand onto your bottom hand like it oh. so there's two I different like that. noise signals for like the genuflecting and stuff there's the snap and then there's the sort of clap mm-hmm. um but you know i mean uh i i will say I, at, at modern day it's very i didn't i never knew that was happening until the first time i was an altar server okay and so but then now maybe i notice it more because i've done it but um i was also just impressed at like the the like it was a very like firm you know snap snap it was like very it was uh, <laughs> noticeable it was right, like toxic my, masculinity. It was snap. mildly frightening. Like I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> please don't yell at me." I'll yell, I'll yell. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's better than like a whistle, I guess. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, also there is a lot. Like as far as you know, it's a pretty intricate ceremony, and you've got three people kind of running around the whole time. And you know, as a subdeacon, you were sort of symbolically the uh, the Jews, and then yeah. the deacon is symbolically the Gentiles. Which is a cool fact. Yeah, I I uh, I found that fascinating. Um, uh, first of all, the whole experience was was humbling in multiple ways because I am the most experienced priest out of those three. I've been ordained the longest, and I knew the least about what was going on. And oh. and uh, like all good brothers do, they were harassing me the entire time until mass was over, and then they allowed me to be uh, the senior priest again. Um, so that was good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the whole. Um, kind of uh theology uh spiritual symbolism about the subdeacon I'm like oh that's wonderful that's really cool i really like that you kind of have all of salvation history playing out in the mass and i thought that was uh, i really like that yeah like even the there's uh, i mean i don't know how much they get into it for the for like people learning to actually say it so you may already know all this from this but like even the placement of the missile um like when it's moved from uh like right to left like so mm-hmm. you know you have a liturgical east at orientum everyone talks about but you also with that have therefore like liturgical north and south mm-hmm. and when they move the gospel to the left side if you're facing it that's liturgical north which is sort of you know where the gentiles were um but then at the end they move it back to the other side um which has to do with sort of the uh the sort of uh, end time prophecy of the Jews embracing Christianity yeah. um, or the gospel and also the Gentiles rejecting it at the end of time mm-hmm. so it it's kind of a yeah yeah so I definitely appreciated that uh, I saw it was some FSP video but it was like uh, a German group so I read the subtitles of this nice German man explaining what the subdeacon does and I was like oh how lovely <laughs> this nice man with nice glasses in, is speaking to me in German and teaching me things so that was nice <laughs> So do you do you normally wear the? Uh, well, I'm, I'm losing all my terms. Matt, what's the hat called? Beretta. Yeah. No, so that was the thing. I don't have my own uh, Beretta, uh, so that's why uh, the 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 lady who was um, wedding coordinator, she was wonderful as well. Uh, she found us some Berettas uh, because the other guys forgot to bring theirs, and I didn't have one. So that's why I got one without the little palm on top, because mm-hmm. I was a subdeacon, so I got the least fancy of the Berettas. You know, that's fine. See, We're gonna do like a, a a fundraiser to get you a fancy Beretta. <laughs> Please do. I could also just pay for one myself, uh, but uh, that's nice. That's a nice gesture. What was the so? When did you start 
having to learn what you had to learn. Like you said, it wasn't the night before. Like, how long did this whole thing take? And uh, follow-up question, do right. you remember any of it right now? <laughs> yeah. So I started, like, uh, the wedding was Saturday. I started um, Tuesday uh, okay. looking at things and um, reading things and watching things on YouTube. And that's when I started freaking out. I'm like, oh, no, this is this – is, I'm going to ruin this whole wedding. Um, but what was really helpful was – when we finally all got together at the hotel, all the other priests, and we, we ran through it kind of just speaking out loud what was going to happen. And then we did a kind of dry run of it uh, the day before. And so it ended up being I – remembered, I remembered enough about where I was supposed to be because it's kind of easy as a subdeacon. Most of the time I'm just falling in line uh, behind the deacon, and I remembered uh, more than I thought as far as movement and position. Mm-hmm. And then – uh, I kind of mumbled my way through the prayers at the foot of the altar. Um, I had uh, another priest friend of mine uh, send me a recording of him chanting the epistle so I could okay. listen to that and do that. So I was pretty confident with that. Uh, that was also very nice, I will say. You, 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 good chant. I, thank you. you. You did well. I'm a decent, I'm a passable chanter. The bar is very low uh, because most priests aren't. But I, I, when I it's, can it's very, it, it's, it's very trad to like have um, poorly enunciated Latin. I... <laughs> couldn't tell you if you did or didn't, but like if you watch the Kennedy funeral, for instance, it's like atrocious and everyone's freaking. But, but I'm like, that's how it, that's how it's supposed to be, guys. It's not. We don't speak it, so like, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, my other priest friends who who were watching along and uh, know Latin a little better than I do, they were mildly impressed. They're like, oh, he's actually trying to say the right words. So that was nice. That was a nice compliment from them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. it was funny because I was my adrenaline was pumping the entire time because I you know you just go out there and start doing it and like, trying to breathe and chant at the same time was very difficult but we got through it and then what yeah, was I the can fun? Only imagine <laughs> I know it's kind of uh, it was partially nice because uh, the book they gave was just a blank um, fancy folder and I could put in the, the notation in there so that made it a lot easier too um, and Matt what was your follow up question? Do you currently, right now, remember any of it? Or did it just bing right out of your head as soon as you... Like, Judica Medeo. Yeah. Yeah, the words, definitely don't remember. Uh, Where I'm supposed to be in the general outline of the Mass is kind of still in my brain, yeah. Okay. I mean, and that isn't really, like, that different from... I mean, overall, everything happens in essentially the same order as in the new rite. Like, it's not... um, you know, there's a sort. There are differences, but like, um, in general, you kind of, you know, start the mass, have the, you know, the confidior, the Gloria. Right. I didn't realize there wasn't going to be a creed. Yeah, I don't know why that's not a thing. Uh, I don't know if it was either an option or something, but uh, uh, Father uh, Ambrose, who was uh, celebrating. He said there's not going to be a creed, and I was like, okay, easy enough for me. Yeah, no, that, I mean. Well, and the other thing a lot of people, lay people don't, so during the Gloria, this is always one that catches people off guard their first time attending the Latin Mass, is that, you know, the priests um, pray it at the altar, and then they go sit down. Yeah, right. And once they sit down, everyone else sits down. And, I mean, that's actually pretty practical. Like, if you listen to some of the the older Glorias, they some of them are up to 15 minutes long yeah. and I mean, and that's not really an exaggeration. And so sometimes, cause they'll, they'll pull, they'll bring those back 
and it is always kind of an impractical thing where like nobody can sing along with polyphony but they're supposed to stand the whole time and it's like you really could just let everyone sit right um so i always thought that was practical but the first time you see it it's weird because you're like i don't understand why why are we like taking a sit down break um but (laughs) yeah and that was probably the the weirdest thing for me is that uh it kind of felt like so we're the ones saying the prayers and then the rest of the people they can kind of play along if they want to but it's utterly unimportant because we've already said them so you can have your nice little choir and uh sing along if you feel like it but it doesn't matter we're just gonna sit down and wait for you to be done yeah well actually that was one of the changes in the 65 missile which was like the sort of um the like in between mm-hmm. missile where like the council had happened but the reform hadn't happened was um the like it was either the choir or the priest it didn't it wasn't a situation where it was always the priest and then on top of that was the choir mm-hmm. and then the sitting also stopped so like the priest would um just stay at the altar for the whole gloria or the creed or or what have you but um and it was in the vernacular but the yeah the the um choir kind of being its own own thing i imagine some of that was also somewhat practical like i don't know before sound systems if you could really you know so they just kind of start chanting the uh the introit right yeah and that, i mean that's kind of how chant develops because it's easier to sing loud than it is to just shout at people it's nicer you can get the volume and it sounds nice with chant yeah well and like no none of the liturgies historic like it was always sung rituals like there wasn't really speaking um until way later in history mm-hmm. um east or west um and i think even prior to christianity like with um stuff at the temple like in general it was always a sung ordeal yeah that's kind of like one of those just very kind of human intuition things if you're going to be doing some kind of worship you're gonna sing uh you're gonna do something more than just say words it's it's if you're addressing god or something like that you should do something fancier it's just like a normal human intuition to chant yeah which i think is nice um i also liked how inquire was um urban hannon who probably was the most knowledgeable of the of the right <laughs> but like not involved other than just being in choir um oh is I that the, the seminarian yeah. yeah 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 yeah. i thought he was a priest he 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 cut the figure of the perfect uh fssp uh priest um but uh no he was just inquired but though he was saying the responses loudly which also made me com- made me feel more comfortable because like oh at least someone is saying the prayers the right way um so that was nice always nice yeah. to have that one that yeah. person <laughs> yeah. yeah it was a neat thing and I, I appreciated the sermon i thought it was very nice well that was the one thing I, I was pretty confident in but like i said my adrenaline was pumping so much i had planned a different i never write down uh my my sermons on my homilies uh, and I had planned to say different things, but that's what came out. But it sounded like it was okay. So I thought well, it was good. I, I also like, I mean, mainly there was this part where you thanked them for like still having their wedding, even though mm-hmm. COVID's happening. Yeah. Um, and I mean, people have to make their own decisions. Like I don't really, uh, I'm not interested in criticizing anyone, but right, yeah. it's kind of sad when people postpone their weddings because it's like, you know, start your new life like it's mm-hmm. it's more than just 
can everybody be there like it's a you know a thing yeah um like so, yeah I, I think i mentioned that too i don't hold it against anyone who has postponed their weddings you know i can't right you know, but i really appreciate those who decide to go through with it um because they want to enter in that uh into the sacrament into their uh new life together uh so um and there's something about kind of beginning your married life with this sacrifice um and like like my brother got married a couple weeks ago i know they had to call a bunch of people and uninvite people and that's got to be a miserable thing to do and and i mean they're both very faithful people they care about the sacrament more than anything else but it still stinks that you can't have they're also like both really sweet people so i'm sure it wasn't fun being like hey Mm -hmm. you didn't make the 40 percent Capacity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What was the capacity at your brother's, and what was the capacity at this past weekend? Um, so, at least in in the diocese of Pittsburgh, uh, we have a twenty five percent capacity at mass, uh, and that's the bishop's rule. Um, the governor hasn't put restrictions on religious ceremonies, mm-hmm. but for the um, uh, the reception, it, we can only have like fifty people. Um, this is so. one time that I will give uh, um, recognition to the Greeks. I went to a Greek wedding, yeah. and the reception was in the church and was like, I think you could describe it as a religious experience. So I was like, sure. I bet they're still getting to have their receptions. Yeah, it might um, be. <laughs> but yeah, it, the, the interesting thing about the reception that we were at was that there were a bunch of tables that were there and had centerpieces, but no like plates. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they had to like, do that to show mathematically that we were only at a certain capacity like if they had to have yeah, empty tables weird. yeah but there were definitely tables that nobody was seated at that were you know kind of dressed up but mm-hmm. were just there and i was like i guess this is so you could literally say that we're at whatever percent capacity mm-hmm. yeah and, and just getting back to the the point i was trying to make about um the way i appreciate people having their weddings like you're beginning this with understanding what sacrifice is and prioritizing what's really important in your life and something about that i think is very good um so i appreciate that yeah yeah and like i think if you think back to you know different times in the world uh life was hard i think and for a lot of people now life is still hard but in general where we're at you know in america and stuff life is not ordinarily very hard and so like weddings (laughs) are cool but you know for like you can read books even from like I can't remember the name of the book but it was about you know first generation Italians coming to America and things were really hard for them but when it was time for a wedding it was like time for a wedding and they, right. they managed to to have a good time and so I think there's mm-hmm. something neat about that that like we're so um, amused now and like we don't really you know you can kind of treat yourself every day sort of thing it yeah. was neat to have like a celebration in the midst of of all of this be able to like put it like misery aside for a minute and like mm-hmm. have a lovely time yeah uh, but there were a few things that like very much struck me uh, uh being a part of uh the extraordinary foreign liturgy for the first time and one of them was you know i've been called a novus ordo priest in a uh, pejorative way many times online mm-hmm. um and uh whatever but in a different way i can definitely understand i am a novus ordo priest uh, sure. Like, like the the level of, of of priestcraft, if you will, that goes into understanding that liturgy and not just knowing it, but you know, knowing it well enough to where you can pray it. It's a whole different world. It really is. Uh, like I said, like they were, like in general, if I were to describe 
um, what's the spirituality of both rites, they're similar. But practically speaking, in all these little parts, um, it's it's hugely, hugely different. So that very much struck me. That this is... Um, and it felt a little bit weird uh, to... like. First of all, it was fun. It was fun to do something new. Uh, it was fun to learn something new and to be a part of that. Uh, it, that was just exciting. Was it like uh, you were cheating on the Novus Order or something? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> mm. No, uh, but it, it was... It was it part of it just personally felt a little bit like play acting um uh-huh. and that's just because it was my first time doing it i mean it felt similar the first few times i said the novus ordo mass like um is this really is this really happening is it really real when i'm so worried about rubrics and how i sound and, and where it is now like now i can just pray the mass because i'm familiar enough with it uh so that was something that kind of struck me to go back to that feeling of uh um, no, you are a real priest, and you are doing real things, even if it feels kind of awkward and mechanical right now. Right. Well, I mean, was it was that also what it felt like just as a new priest? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was just weird to go back to that. Um, to that newness. Mm-hmm. That's one thing we tell people, because, like, people a lot of times, the first time they go to the Latin Mass, it's, uh, like, nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, like, they're scared of the the weird people they're going to see and then also that they're not going to know what's going on and all these things. And we're always like, you know, it's only really going to be new for you. This, this one go around Mm -hmm. like the first few times it's like, and then you're going to kind of like wish you could be experiencing it for the first time all over again. So as, as much as it's like maybe intimidating to approach it, if you're not familiar with it, it it is like a cool thing when it's brand new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something about, uh, that humbling experience I thought was very good for me because I've only been ordained four years but I've also had 11 different parishes and I've seen a lot and I've uh, grown a lot and feel very comfortable in most of my ministry uh, I'm very comfortable being a spiritual director and counseling people and hearing confessions and doing all that and just to have to take a step back and to be humbled and to do something new uh, I thought was just good for me spiritually as well like it's just there's a whole other world uh, out there and it's a world like the extraordinary form is something that I have every right to as well. Um, so something about that uh, struck me um, as, uh, I don't know, Fight for your right to, I don't <laughs> know, I was trying to make a palm, but it didn't quite work. Um, yeah. Uh, so like this is something that I can have if I want to, but I'm going to have to work at it if I want to. Um, and I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if it's something um, I want to pursue. Like the big thing was, the reason why I did this is because there was a pastoral need. Uh, people wanted me to do it, and I was allowed to do it. Uh, and until that happens around here, uh, I don't know. Um, we'll see. If it, part of it feels like a like it'd be a waste not to keep uh, studying this and learning this, because you know, after being involved in a high mass, uh, just looking at the uh, the low mass, it's like, well, I think this is pretty doable um, if I want to do it. But it would be. Uh, and I have some other priest friends, like in my diocese, who can uh, do uh, the extraordinary form, and they can do that on their own. Uh, but that's never been, like I said, while I've appreciated it and respected it, I've been curious just because it part of it feels weird to be a priest and not do all the priest things. Like not a lot of people can be a priest, so shouldn't I learn all the priest things? It just seems like something you should do. Um, sure. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, because I I know um, diocesan priests who. Uh, rarely are involved in any kind of public extraordinary form. Like it's usually, you know, a wedding or some sort of, you know, if there's something and they need, 
you know, a priest to be a deacon or a subdeacon or something, but they, they've learned it and they'll say it on their like days off if they have them, like their private masses basically. Yeah. Um, cause apparently it travels well. Uh, I don't know how to prove that or not though, but I've heard that. Um, okay. <laughs> though I don't know like if it's that hard, like when you're a priest and you have like a, like a bag of all of your priest things so you can say mass on the road and stuff. Yes. I've got my little mass kit. It's this really tiny little briefcase. But there's no your way it can ounce, be... Your three-ounce uh, church wine that can go through TSA? Yes, exactly. Um, I've got one of those. Uh, but there's no way, like, because if you really... Sh- you can really, really strip down the Novus Ordo, and, uh, you know, you take out the sign of peace, you take out the intercessions, you take out the homily, you use the Eucharistic prayer too, uh, you throw a stole on over your T-shirt, and you can you can knock out Mass in 10 minutes uh, and still have it be valid. So I, I doubt the extraordinary form is easier to travel with i've heard Uh, okay i think i've heard you could do the mass of our lady which is i think you're allowed to do almost at least on saturdays i don't know if it's one of those you can always sub in i think i've either heard 17 minutes or 21 minutes okay so yeah that's obviously not going to be like your uh right like i don't think it could be quite as quite as quick because that's the one the mass of our lady is the one that they teach blind priests so that they can memorize it yeah since they obviously can't read at least that was historically what what they did yeah uh but like i definitely see and this is something i talked to you a little bit about zach is that i see very much the appeal of the extraordinary form for the priest um but it was harder for me to see the appeal for uh lay people just because it felt a lot like the lay people are doing a devotional alongside the mass mm-hmm. and not participating in it uh whereas Okay, so practically speaking, that's what most Catholics do anyway. Um, actually, you know, if if all of my parishioners were just doing a devotional alongside the Novus Ordo, they'd be praying more than they normally do at Mass. Uh, and maybe that's a little bit unfair, but, you know, uh, there's something... I always thought, like, the great churches from the past, the, the reason they had painted ceilings was just sort of the human tendency to just kind of, like, your head rolls <laughs> back and you lose focus. Yeah. I feel like uh, the church has always kind of understood... Uh, that some of us are a little ADD up in yeah. here. Well, it, it, and that's that's the, the irony of it. Like, So the Novus Ordo is constructed in a way that, you know, in the Missal, it says flat out that you know, certain parts belong to the people and do not belong to the priest. And mm-hmm. so it's literally built to have the people be a integral part of the liturgy. And the great irony is that even though that's a part of what the liturgy is, uh, very few people seem to participate. Uh, and like my my thing that I preach about it every once in a while is like, could you guys at least say the great amen? Can you at least say amen to the um, consecration of the right. Eucharist? Like this is the Lord. Like can you at least say amen to the high points? Like I and I also personally understand if you don't want to sing an entrance hymn because it's stupid. Like I I feel that in my bones. I get that. But there are certain parts that you're a part. Could you please like say them, or else the whole point of this is is lost, and that's a frustrating thing. What if they were um, called hymns and they were just for the fellas? That <laughs> would be truly beautiful. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so part of me struggles w- with that, and then I also you know just comparing uh, my brother's uh, wedding liturgy to this this past one. Um, so I was a celebrant for uh, the wedding at my brother's, and it was the most solemn novus order you could. We had a uh, scola. Um, we did ad orientum. We even had one priest in choir. Um, we actually had a bunch of priests. Uh, we did all the smells, all the bells. And 
it's one of those things, and sometimes it feels a little empty because it happens so rarely, but it's something I still believe that the Novus Ordo has never been tried, <laughs> and that's why so many people get frustrated with it. And right. um, uh, But it's it's a tough thing to... I know I'm rambling a little bit, um, but it's a tough thing to try to balance uh, as a priest of my generation uh, because a lot of what we're doing, uh, priests who ordained, ordained the last 10 years, is that we're just kind of waiting because um, right now we're not in positions of power. Not a lot of us are pastors. Uh, and to wait to actually try to make liturgy a priority in parishes and to, I would argue, to pray and offer the Novus Ordo in a way that uh, the council uh, would approve of, which doesn't happen very much. Um, but I also get how that can feel like kind of empty rhetoric because you, you just don't see that a lot. So I don't know. I mean, it's tricky because like obviously, um, you know, the situation we're in and it, this is a sometimes a talking point used against the TLM, but I, I think a point is that it's, it's still kind of niche enough right now mm -hmm. that anybody that's attending it has like chosen to seek it out and the priests that are offering it have like obviously made a deliberate decision to be offering it and so you know like you don't have a lot of people just uh phoning it in like yeah. you normally would in any situation right um it, you know it, it's sort of in in just with the way things have gone with uh so more on pontificum like it's sort of a first generation church type thing where like everybody has a certain amount of fervency and i think it will change as time goes on because you'll have a lot more people that grew up with it and sort of take it for granted um but that's also kind of helpful because it brings in a like a much more chill energy mm -hmm. <laughs> that can sometimes be lacking <laughs> um yeah. but yeah i mean matt and i have had plenty of people criticize us for not being super interested in a lot of different debates that maybe other um, traditional leaning Catholics focus on since our, our main thing is basically saying that, you know, we want the, you know, the TLM to be widely available and for more people to have a chance to, to go to it and for it to continue to spread and that, you know, we'll, we'll mostly compromise whatever else is necessary to like support that Right. Um so I don't know if you want to chime in, Matt, but like Matt is has it was a lot more uh he was better than I was at, at attending like daily mass and different things. So he may have a better perspective on like being a, a lay person and going to the the mass regularly and like what that's like. What do you what do you mean as far as like as far as like you're there, um but you know, since it's it's not there's not like a dialogue component um like father was saying that it one of the differences was feeling like you know the mass is happening but then all the lay people are are there but they're kind of you know they're just like they're maybe not a part of it or doesn't seem outwardly like they're a part of it yeah, like it just feels more like they're next to it instead of a part of it which, I mean, that's just the feeling I got. I'm not saying it's true or not, but that was just kind of like my experience. Um, yeah, I mean, the daily mass that I would go to in L.A. when I would go is right around the corner from my work, and it was at a monastery, and it was like 7 a.m. I mean, it wasn't like... It, it had all the 
dis disengagement of a quote unquote of a Latin mass being not a Latin mass. I mean, it was. You oh, know, I didn't realize that. Okay, I thought it was. So this wasn't like a Saint Vitus. No, I. I mean, I would go there. Like on Tuesday nights when it was cl- when it was at Saint Victor's, which was closer to my, before they got the new parish. The, the new parish was like. 15 minutes which meant like 50 minutes LA time so it was just tougher to get to it's gonna be jammed yeah yeah. I uh um, but yeah I mean I don't ever obviously my thought of that is I don't ever think it's uh, you said the word disengage and I think that's probably the wrong word but I don't ever feel like it's that I just my attitude has always been like I know that the mass is happening and like I don't know. I've never really felt the need to like be a, uh, I don't know how to phrase it. Not, I've never really felt the desire, not the desire, but like the need to like interject myself into the mass. Like if, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like if it's happening, I'm, have you ever been Matt, at a daily mass at a, um, in the ordinary form where the priest is like up there like by himself and, and somebody like runs up there to help with like the hand washing part or different, like they just like appoint themselves altar server. Uh, I haven't seen people and run I just up. know in their head, they like, they know that they like saved the day. So, I mean, I'm happy for them. <laughs> yeah. But, well, but I even mean different, like I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily mean in that circumstance. I mean, just like in general, I just like, if the mass is happening, I'm just comforted that the mass is happening and it, Right. Maybe that says something more about me, but like I don't I don't need the like hand raising and like the active response. Like it it's tough and it I think it I realized at least in my own life it was tough enough for me to engage. I I can, I always have gone to mass, but it was tough enough for me to like feel that I was in the midst of something spectacular. So, like, getting to the point where I am sitting there just being comforted knowing what is going on is, like, was kind of like a, I just, I was glad that I was able to get to that point. I took the rare step of following along in my missile for this liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, I normally, I mean, I, I normally don't just because I usually know what's going on, but I hadn't been to a wedding in a while, so I got to kind of follow along with the... Um, like that whole part of it in my missile. Um, my missile, one thing that is that in the, tra- there's not like a standard English translation. So um, certain things were kind of different, but uh, yeah, I got to actually follow along, yeah. you know, page turning in that sense. There were, uh, uh, this whole experience definitely awoke uh, some uh Tratty tendencies in me that had just kind of fallen asleep and, or maybe beaten down by the ordinary the great parish life. Tradening. Yes, um, and one of them was, uh, my goodness, I, I really do feel like we lost something when we lost the minor orders. Uh, something about having like your formation going through the minor orders, your formation like tied integrally to the liturgy that you would become, um, you know, a subdeacon, then deacon, then priest. Something about like you being formed as a priest is is tied into the church building uh and the liturgy and like it really feels like something has been lost in that um i agree as you uh, kind of make your way up and you're like a porter or like a, what are all the other right. ones it's like, like porter acolyte, like you get tonsure and that's porter i'm like i'm gonna yeah. mess it up well you can uh, see yeah i don't know like all of them there's seven the, the kids at the 
Latin mass, like, I mean, I, I've been back in Phoenix for almost two years and I've been going to the Latin mass for maybe like in Phoenix, like maybe four when I would come back four or five. And you just see, like, I, I have watched some of these altar boys grow up and you can see like they, they started off to the side, like not really doing anything. And then they slowly, like they're kind of growing through the ranks Mm -hmm. and you can see it even in that sense of like it, there is something I, again, without trying to step on a giant landmine. Like, I think there is something to be said for forming future priests in that way. Of Oh, absolutely. And I mean, just look at, uh, so at that mass, there were like, I don't know, seven altar servers. And like yeah. the one guy, that like the littlest one, uh, like maybe came up to like my knee. He was a little dude. And then like the the uh, master of ceremonies was taller than of me. Of course, yeah. And, yeah. and they were, they, and um, uh, yeah, I think you do, lose something in that uh having it uh just be guys uh, because it's a it feels like more of an apprenticeship than like yes the the altar boy that i was that was like do you want to help out at mass and i'm like yeah sure let's do this right yeah and, it, and then something oh, go ahead no i just gonna say it just never felt i never was an altar server thinking like that i was maybe potentially paving the way to be a priest right mm-hmm. that was just never my mindset doing it mm-hmm. and not not all the kids serving at the latin mass will be like that but there are yeah. i mean i feel like it you know it, it might be better odds it's, it's neat because it, it almost creates a, a progression towards the priesthood that starts when you're really young yeah and then it's like you know you all the kids are like um you know the torchbearers, which is the only job I was allowed to do when I was serving mass <laughs> in twenty eighteen, because that's where you start. And then you know, as it moves on, maybe some of them lose interest, and some and some of them stick with it, and they eventually, you know, they take on the tougher jobs. And then some of them go to seminary, and maybe they discern out of seminary. You know, it's this sort of yeah. process of kind of you know, as time goes on, you sort of move closer towards perhaps becoming a priest, or you realize that that isn't your calling um but it 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 creates it makes the path sort of more obvious and um that's what i thought would be cool about growing up in that environment is uh you know you kind of start out really young sort of you know perhaps on the path and some people will you know they'll stay the course and become priests or you know the pope or something and you know other people maybe they (laughs) you know after they learn to do thoroughfare they you know get a girlfriend and move on like you know it's like yeah uh i that was what i kind of this sort of i don't know it's like a law firm like you started as a junior associate like a senior you know and then maybe you make partner one day it's like this sort of you know kind of moving up the ranks yeah i think there's even something just in formation that's lost like uh the novus ordo is a very easy liturgy to learn it just is uh there's very little that actually that you need to memorize um, the missiles in front of you almost the entire time if you want it to be and so it was just kind of like at the end of my formation like my deacon year like one semester and uh most of what we're learning was just kind of our teacher's preferences about where you should put your hands and stuff but there's mm-hmm. no like real rubrics for it but there's something about like because the extraordinary the form canonical is com- digits yes because because the extraordinary form is more difficult and you would spend more time learning it and this is me just guessing there's more of an emphasis on that kind of priestly aspect of the priesthood 
uh, that I think is maybe lost. To, uh, and don't get me wrong, like I, I spent a lot of time learning a lot of things about how to counsel people and how not to be weird and like all that stuff is very important formation. Mm-hmm. But it almost very felt like important lesson for so many people. It is, is and not, not all of them get it, which is sad. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of like so. But saying mass almost comes at the end as almost a side note, just for the amount of time you spend like learning it. Uh, I think something's lost in that as well. Um, to be fair, you said that the missiles in front of you, if you need it, that that is the case in the extraordinary form too. Like it. Okay. Well, yeah. Not always. I mean, yeah. not for the prayers at the foot of the altar. What's up? Not at like the prayers at the foot. Oh of the yeah, altar. no, but I mean, it is there. Like there is. It's not like it's. Uh, right. There's so no maybe that help, wasn't right? the best point, but there's definitely no. But I know a more mean. involved process. Yeah. You know, like just in general. Uh, the Novus Ordo is an easy liturgy to learn. It just is. What uh, what I I had something along those lines. Um, and it totally so zoned out. I think some of it too is like if you notice the the ritual sort of designed to kind of minimize the priest himself. Like you don't really get like a feel for how this priest likes to do liturgy, sort of thing. Like there's yeah. not really any room for that. Um, but then one thing that I've, I've always wondered if there's a certain structural element to the way, like the, you know, the priest is like, you know, doing the work, so to speak. Um, and you know, everyone that's there, the faithful, like don't really have a job other than to pray and hopefully Mm -hmm. become a saint. Yeah. And that like, you know, I just wonder would does does that translate into people being, you know, less like uppity at parish council and that kind of thing? Because it's like interesting when you don't have you know lectors and things where like you know now the priest kind of has to sit down and the lay people take over. It's like does it is there an instructional element to sort of the priest being like the head guy? Yeah, no, I think I think you're on something because it's really impossible to clericalize the lay the lay person. Uh, in the extraordinary form where it's very easy and you see it just in regular parish culture that to be holy in most parishes if and to to be really into your Catholic faith means becoming a lector or a Eucharistic minister and that's ridiculous don't get me wrong like we could use those um, but even that more and more I, I feel like we don't we place too much emphasis on that but uh, no it's not what it means to be uh, a holy person uh, so I think you you have less clericalization of the laity in the extraordinary form. I think that was another thing that struck me about that. Well, I, uh, is it fair? Like I I forget. I asked a priest once. Like I I was saying, like when you're if you're a, a lector or a Eucharistic minister, like I don't feel like there's any added grace. Like you don't get special graces for that. I mean, I don't know if I'm not trying to be mean and like downplaying it i'm just saying like i think the rush it's kind of overplayed to the importance of like yeah someone doing it like i don't know no, if, if that's yeah. fair or not but it no i mean i'll say um to be uh, involved in the liturgy means to sacrifice some of your personal prayer because you have a job to do sure so i think there's some merit in that sure but uh you know you're not a holier person because you're um reading um uh, at the mass now, yeah. there's. I mean, actually, if you actually look at what the documents say, um, that you know, electors should um, be praying with the readings beforehand. Like, if if every um, layperson who was involved in the Novus Ordo did all the things that the church kind of expects them for to be, um, like to be a Eucharistic minister, means a lot more than just handing out the Eucharist. You're supposed to be um, 
in a particular way more prayerful and more attentive to your relationship with the Eucharist, mm-hmm. that you need to be trained to uh, bring the Eucharist to shut-ins. But sometimes it's just, hey, we need someone to hand out Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a little bit of that. You're really, yeah. you're really I, sounding I more like that, Father Harrison with all these the real the real church council was never tried thing. He's really right. I, I, I mean that is I mean that is give still us, where I give I'm us at. a Ratzinger quote. Give us a <laughs> <laughs> my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, no, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I I am very much of that. I and I think I think what is needed more than the extraordinary form is a reform of the reform. But I think part of the reform of the reform is having a good, vibrant, um, extraordinary form presence in the diocese. Um, because I just found it like, oh my goodness. Um, it was a great reminder that m- for me that mass is mass. Uh, and it's so easy because mass becomes so ordinary, <laughs> if you will, in the ordinary form mm-hmm. and so familiar. Uh, and so like there's something it's... And if I was familiar enough uh, with the extraordinary form, I'm sure I could half-ass that as well. So don't get me wrong. I think that's possible. Yeah, Uh, of course. But there's something about the setup. At least the experience of being involved in this liturgy was a good reminder to me of the um, great weight and sacredness that's involved in offering the Mass. So that was a good witness to me, just participating in that and seeing that. uh, Do you see it helping you going forward? regardless of if you learn more of the Mass or not. Did I already ask that? I've been wanting to ask that, but I forget. No, um, uh, I I definitely think so. I definitely think so. Um, And it's a little bit... So the reason why I want to talk about this with you guys was because I'm still processing all this. But, um, and this is no offense to my own parish, but I was looking at uh, uh, some of our recorded Masses this last week, and... I almost cringed a little bit, not because the people involved are, are bad people or anything, um, not because they're not doing their best to be holy and to help out with the mass or anything, but it's, it, it is different. Um, there's not as much emphasis on the liturgy in normal parishes that there should be. Um, there's not as much attentive to the sacred like that. That's yeah. I, I totally see that and believe that. Like I said, it's nothing malicious, but Signs and symbols mean something, and they inform us, even when we don't realize they're informing us. That's uh, always a like a bone I have to pick with people on certain things. They're like, "Oh, this is just symbolic," and it's like, "And it's a symbol of what exactly? <laughs> like something extremely important." Like I, I don't under, like it's it's like yes, it's a symbol, and it's and what is it a symbol of? Mm-hmm. So you know that's good. Um, there, I mean, obviously, there's that's not. Um, unique to like anyone right it's just a lot of times people will um want to dispense with anything that's like symbolic or you know not strictly no, speaking, yeah that like, stuff matters it really does words matter prayers matter um, liturgical gestures matter yeah um, we talk about like the you know in the mass like the the intrinsic merit is obviously infinite and it, it just you know is it valid or not and if it is mm-hmm. then of course it's you know the sacrifice of calvary and but like the way that that um is like received is through the the extrinsic means and that's you know the the actions and the the symbol you know i mean the mass is a sacramental mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean that that's how you like that's how you transmit the the infinite graces of the mass is through the 
you know, the obviously limited and, you know, necessarily non-essential elements of how you do it, basically. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. That stuff matters. So, one of the... Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciated that you did it. I mean, you kind of, you know, jumped into something unfamiliar and... Um, you know, there's always strong feelings about the, like the liturgy. So I don't think anybody's always excited to like step into the liturgy wars and not that you really did by doing a wedding, but right. Well, I mean, this is, this is a big, this is the thing that's always been very important for me in my understanding of the priesthood. Like you would hear stories of people, of priests who, uh, they just didn't want to visit the sick. It just wasn't their thing. Uh, or, um, I mean, you know, who does? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> or, or, um, you know, there, uh, some of the, um, extraordinary uh, demonic stuff still happens in, in parishes and you uh, you would have priests passing that off to other priests and it's like well you know what if you feel uncomfortable that's kind of too damn bad isn't it because you're these people's priest uh, yeah. so it's like, you know what else was uncomfortable and you like gesture <laughs> towards a crucifix like that right exactly so like yeah um, there are certain things that I am better at and more comfortable with but if someone needs a priest to do a priest thing then that's my job uh, and the Lord is very aware of uh, my failings and failures, um, but the, he's asked me to be a priest, so that's, I mean, that's what it was. Um, my friends wanted me to be a priest for them, and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Yes. You did a very good job doing the priest things, and it was fun being at the clerical slash celebrity table at the reception. <laughs> it was. It was. It was and a lot of fun. I very much um, enjoyed it. Yeah. And there definitely was a feeling afterwards of like, uh, at least for me and the other priests, like, look, we did it. We, we went through the war. We, we fought the good fight and we didn't screw it up. And that, that was a very good feeling at the end. Like we didn't yeah. ruin the wedding. We kind of got through this that's, allergy fairly decently. I mean, that's got to be exciting. How many, you don't have much of that as a priest. Like, I mean, it pops up every now and then and it pops up in different ways. But like, this is... Yeah. Certainly. Like I'm sure when Easter's over, it's this like, oh man, we finished Holy Week and Easter. Yeah, but I mean, yes. this is certainly yes. a unique experience. That I mean, you you did do it, and you can if you never do it again, you you did it and you succeeded, and it hopefully helps you grow from here, from whatever way. But it's just like a great, it's just like a great thing. Yeah, and I think it's also important to always take a step back and ask God, you know, what is God doing providentially. Like, it's super weird that I've become friends with the bride and groom over Twitter. And then I end yeah. up doing an extraordinary form uh, mass as a subdeacon in, in North Carolina. Like, the Lord set that up to happen. Okay, so what is he teaching me? Um, what is he trying to show me? Uh, so it's important to stay uh, open to that. Um, so I don't know, you know, like Matt, like you said, this might be the one time I do it and that's it. And I uh, learned a lot from it. Maybe it's a sign of other things to come. Um, but I think it's important to always be asking ourselves, okay, what is God and his providence trying to do with me, show me, teach me? And it is important. You mentioned earlier um, how you did it, and then you got kind of like, kind of like stir, like a little nervous about how some of the liturgies, when you went back and reviewed the footage, mm -hmm. when you yeah, went, yeah. went back to whatever Diocese of Pittsburgh equivalent of NFL Network is and watched all the <laughs> clips. But that is yeah. a legitimate, that's a legitimate thing um, for anyone listening. If you, for some reason, listen and you haven't gone to a Latin mass, um, then that's good. That means that we're not just talking to trads, which is great. But 
legitimately one of the things We're not just that, preaching to the scola yeah <laughs> yeah there you go one of the things that like is important to realize is and i think we've all gone through it in our own way it's how you come out the other side is you see how this mass is done and i remember i like going to the novus ordo i would get anxious like i i'll admit it like i didn't i didn't like resent it or i didn't hate it but like i i, I had to learn to not be anxious because you you either come out the other side normal and chill or you come out the other side like completely nutso right yeah so like you it i don't know it's just one of those things that in my own life like i had to take a look at and it's i think but i think it's a perfectly natural thing so yeah one last like practical question i had um and maybe people who listen to us who go to the latin mass haven't been to a lot of weddings but a difference like an obvious difference is that in a um, extraordinary form wedding like the first part is the wedding part like the i do's are like yeah they were married after the first 10 minutes or so right and then and you know then the first thing that they do is husband and wife is uh, attend mass together and they get the the, you know the cool front row seat um such a beautiful way of putting it that i didn't know until like fairly recently that idea is like the first thing they do married is go to mass yeah so what but i was wondering on that like what did you have any thoughts on that like uh, like obviously it's it's a difference on like a practical level but was that like uh, the choir if anyone was watching the live stream the choir didn't seem to know that was how it was gonna work. yeah it was a little bit but they got it uh, they figured it out yeah. um but yeah like what did you think of that yeah uh, so everything you said i think is uh good and right and there's something beautiful about that but i do appreciate how um the wedding happening in the novus ordo as part of the liturgy as a whole so you've got the entire liturgy of the word that is preparing you um for the actual uh marriage so mm-hmm. like the whole liturgy kind of leans into that um and then it's you know you get transformed in a sense uh through the sacrament of marriage and then after that it moves into the liturgy of the eucharist so i like something about how more of the liturgy like yeah like something becomes it. something else and then something becomes something like there's this the transformation yeah. and then so there's it's this it's, transfigure- it's or, they're yeah. different they're definitely different emphasis and i can uh-huh. see the beauty in both you know i i am still a novice order priest i still kind of like how the whole uh, like being wrapped up in the liturgy, I think says something a little bit more yeah. complete, if you will. I don't know. And but, on like, a I practical yeah. level, it does also make the sermon kind of cool because you know the like the very next thing is the like the I do's and all that, and it's right. like this like you know I, it it's you know even just on a attending them, it's like it's neat. I've I've been to more um, ordinary form weddings than tratty weddings, but uh, yeah, like the it is basically different emphasis not necessarily in conflict with each other but like you know because that's where that's the hard thing about doing compare and contrast with the liturgies is that if you tried to say um you know okay from a from an old mass perspective the idea is the first thing they do is go to mass together so this one it's like they go to half a mass together or then you say you know, in the new mass, the idea is that it's it's integrated within. So in the old mass, it's right. like not integrated within. It's always where you kind of have to approach each rite on its own terms. Yes. Um, otherwise, you do get into the the kind of completely non-helpful, unconstructive, like, you know, compare and contrast stuff that doesn't quite work. But yeah, I think when you approach each one on its own terms, it is kind of neat. But that was always a difference that I don't think a lot of people are expecting is that like right, right when it starts, it's like, all right, like, do you... 
Yada yada yada. Yeah, I agree. Do and, you? And yada, I guess yada, my, yada. my final, I don't know, wrapping up, my final kind of takeaway was that, you know, I would often hear people, and I, I'd probably be of the same opinion, uh, like, you know, there's uh, Novus Ordo, Extraordinary Form, you know, go to whatever makes you happy, and they're, you know, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but they are very different. And whereas before I would say, oh, if you, you know, want to go to Extraordinary Form, that'd be a good thing and get that experience. But now I'm more like, I think more Catholics should go to a few. Because uh, I think there's a lot to learn from that. I think you can, even if you stick stick with Novus Ordo as your ordinary Mass, if you will, uh, I think you can learn a lot about the Mass from the experience of the Extraordinary Form. It's so I'm definitely... The Mass of uh, the Ages, Father Anthony. Right. It's traditional, and it's Latin, mm. and it's Mass. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> this is, I mean, they are check, very check, different check. liturgies with different emphases, uh, emphases, emphases. TTLM, uh, the traditional Latin Mass. Yeah. So, so it was good. That was, uh, it was fun. I'm, I'm glad I got the experience. Well, I, I appreciated it. So thank you for, yeah, going out on a limb and also for talking to us about it. It was, uh. It was very cool. Well, I mean, I wanted to talk about it, and who else was I going to talk about it with? I mean, it's got to be on Roman Circus. It's it's we one thing to like, a, just have a conversation. We could get you an invite with... to Nova Watch. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, it's one thing to have a conversation with your friends, but to turn that conversation into content, it just seems like the obvious thing to do. I know. Could you imagine if they filmed our lives and made it a reality TV show? It'd be so great. Amazing. There's about to be. Oh yeah, oh, there's I did a, make a joke. There is Matt, a void. Sorry, you're gonna say that, right? right. With uh, Kardashians, I did yeah. after the mass. I told Father they did really well, and I was like, you know, uh, I hear the fraternity has one opening. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> after our last episode was about the yes the, the series of events, and we you know we we tried to put it in context, but yeah, that was the the joke that I made. It's mm-hmm. like we got one opening. Yeah, no, that's good, um, and we pray for them. Of course. Yeah, well, thanks, Father Anthony. you have any, do you have any uh, parting words? Uh, no, just that. Like, uh, I think it's a worthwhile experience. I think, like I said, I only been to one low mass six years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's enough of an introduction. I think going to a few extraordinary four masses, going to a solemn high mass, I think that can really help in just your Catholic formation. Uh, so I would encourage it. So would we. Yeah. Zach, yeah. anything good, else? Good, would recommend. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think so. Uh, I think we've uh, I think we've said it all. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, that's it for me. I have no final words, so I'll just say that we will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. See ya. See ya.